Welcome to Invest in Women, the podcast series, your insight into the growing wealth of women and the issues that impact their business and yours. See what happens when you educate, empower, and invest in women. Jillian Howe joins us today. Jillian, how are you? Thank you so much for being part of the show. Thank you very much, Melissa. It's my pleasure. You know, I have always heard the message that women make a certain amount of money based on a man's dollar, right? 50 cents on the dollar, 75 cents on the dollar, depending on what race you are, right? I've also heard of widows going bankrupt when their husbands die. So it's this constant subliminal message that women are not associated with wealth. And I was hoping maybe we could talk today about women in wealth and how wealth does apply to women. We can certainly dispel that and we can talk about um, really what's close to my heart is how much they influence philanthropy. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much um, their influence over the years has, has been so successful in moving philanthropy along. And I think it's all spectrums of wealth and giving out, you know, whether they contribute their time or their talent um, or their money, their treasure. Um, women have become just key opinion leaders and, and key decision makers. You know, I mean, as you say, like they, I think it's 57% of the workforce, um, they now, um, of the American workforce are women. Um, they, um, they, they, are, they own about, I think a third of the private wealth in the world, but that with the inter- you know, the transfer of wealth that's gonna happen, you know, they say by 2030, uh, that will be women driving more than two thirds of the wealth. Um, and that's kind of phenomenal. And um, that, again, re- re- can relate back very positively to their influence on um, philanthropy as well. And, John, um, I just want to reiterate that point. You had mentioned that it right now about, what, one third of wealth in the yep. world. Mm-hmm. And then here soon it will transfer to two thirds of the wealth of the world will be women. And I mean, because those are the messages I want to hear instead of how far behind we are. Right. No, we're we're moving ahead for sure, and and I think what women control as well has just increased, in, in, even in the, just the financial household itself, um, how much they drive just wealth decisions and how much they drive certainly financial decisions. And I think you know the world, not just now, but I think they've been waking up for a long time, saying looking at women as economic agents. I guess uh, the World Bank just you know says gender equality is smart economics. I mean that's just plain and simple, you know. Um, when Hillary Clinton was Secretary of State, she said women are the cornerstone of foreign policy and when women are free to vote, and this is all over the world, and run for public office, governments are more effective and responsive to their people. And then when women are free to earn a living and start small businesses, uh, and that again is probably more beyond the US as well, the data is clear they become key drivers of that economic growth in whatever region that is. And, uh, and the economist, um, I, this quote has been around for a long time, but they, they, they came out with a big statement saying, forget China, forget India, forget the inter- internet. Economic growth um, is going to be led by women over the next few decades. So, And that's incredibly encouraging. I think that when you talk about philanthropy, too, and again, Jillian, correct me if I'm wrong, but... Um, I feel, and I've had some friends who have been financially successful and philanthropy has been one of the main thrusts of that wealth. You know, that's the motivation to be able to give 
do you think it's, you know, I don't want to be stereotypical about women, you know, needing to feel connected to something, because that certainly doesn't mean men don't have to feel connected to something. But I do find in the workforce, a lot of times women are more motivated if they're emotionally satisfied with what they're doing. Correct. I mean, women, women are just different than men. <laughs> That's just a given, right? So they, they give differently. Um, the, um, the Women's Philanthropy Institute at the Center for Philanthropy at the University of Indiana are constantly looking at this, this topic. Um, and they, did, they came up with some very interesting things around demographics, you know, like women across generations, they have, they have shown through, the, through data, stats are more likely than men to give. Um, and then what's, in, what's interesting now is what's emerging is younger women are influencing household decisions more than their older counterparts. So there's, there's a kind of a new generation emerging of givers that are actually leading more than their older counterparts did. And then um, motivation, they're giving, women is really giving based on empathy for others. Like that's their primary driver. And then um, men are often giving more around self-interest. That's a blanket statement and we shouldn't, I mean, that's not just for every man obviously out there, but that when they looked at all the stats, it can be driven by more self-interest, maybe, maybe um, you know, for tax reasons um, more than altruistic well, and again, I don't think you're being unfair. I think there's a pattern there. It's like with anything, you know, it happens enough to where there's a pattern of men and self-interest being the motivator. I was just thinking that when, you know, we talk about success and networking, that I could see where women could, uh, in these positions uh, to for mentorship and for networking um, within philanthropic efforts, right? That's how they would probably get to know each other and start working together on some of these initiatives. Well, that, that's actually a, a, a very good point. And, and they looked at behavior. So how do women and men give? Uh, which platforms and approaches do they use when it comes to philanthropy? And women like to give collectively. I'd like to talk a little bit about that too. Just to Absolutely. Use. Yes, go and, ahead. Yeah, it's like 70% um, of giving circles, we'll say, you know, people coming together to look collectively at what they want to do are majority women. Um, and it is becoming... Um, just a significant trend in, in the proliferation of women's networks, funds, giving circles. Um, and in some cases, many institutions are responding to that and organizations, they create specific initiatives to engage female donors and look at them together. You see a lot of uh, community foundations doing that today and, and getting women collectively because women love to come together to discuss it, to pool their resources, which of course makes total sense, to collaborate um, on, on ideas as well. So. And you see that a lot in the high net worth women, especially, um, you know, high net worth, in, you know, the Bank of America has done a high net worth study for years, uh, started in 2006, actually, I think, study of um, high net worth philanthropy. And 90% of, um, of high net worth people give. And so that's kind of a message out there. Uh, majority of those, like a majority of women, but there's a lot of men in there as well, mostly, mostly um, and women just leave by a few percentage, but men are giving as well, 90% of them. And I think that's a huge message for the financial advisor, right? Absolutely. Because, um, well, not only are your clients all giving, uh, they're the, the women donors are having a conversation with them about their giving. Mm -hmm. And the thing is then, there was another study done, uh, again, back in my old days when I was at Bank of America, and we worked with the Philanthropic Institute on it. We did it twice, 2008 and 2013, and I don't think it's changed since. And there was a study of 
an advisor perception of that conversation with the client and the client's perception. And the advisor, when asked, do you have a philanthropic conversation with your clients? The answer was, oh, absolutely. We talk about clients for you all the time. We'll come to find out 99% of those conversations were all tax driven. So this is what you should do. And this is what you should say. You can say by doing X in whatever wealth strategy they come up with. When you ask the clients, they were like, no, we don't talk about, well, we talk about taxes, but that's not what I want to talk about. I want to talk about my values, uh, how to instill those values in my kids, my legacy, uh, you know, how am I going to actually be successful in my philanthropy? That's what I want to talk about. But unfortunately, my mostly my advisors aren't having. So there's a huge disconnect there. Yeah. And I think it's a big learning. We used to talk to advisors an awful lot about that learning, about how to how to have a meaningful conversation. And I understand too that sometimes those conversations can be perceived as very personal, a little private. You're talking about values. You're talking about, you know, what's meaningful to them, their hearts, you know, their passions. But the fact is, if you're not, if you're not having those conversations, your client is likely having them somewhere else. Um, well, and it makes sense, Jillian, because if you think about it, so many people are emotional with their money anyway, because we're so right. defined by how much we make, what we do for a living. It's usually the first thing you ask somebody instead of, you know, what's your philanthropic, you know, passion. Usually people say, well, what do you do for a living, you know? Um, and so I think for a lot of people, naturally, they are emotional, whether it's positive or negative about their money. And so absolutely, it would make sense because it's so funny, Jillian, you say this. I, I I was thinking of institutions that know this well, and it's usually universities. The university I went to, you know, had that conversation with me a long time ago. If you, you know, if we served you and you're passionate about this university, then we would love to be part of your philanthropic efforts, right? So same with advisors. I could see what you're saying, but it, 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 behooves them to make sure that you tap into the positive aspects of money. And for a lot of people, that is to be able to make a difference somewhere. Totally, totally. And obviously it behooves them to have a, you know, sometimes I'm, I'm hoping these days are, are, you know, becoming less and less, but like there are some advisors who always lead with conversations with the, with what they call the patriarch of the family. And they're missing out on something major because the, the the spouse can in many cases be leading the family in terms of financial assets but can but certainly influence them and then that statistic that I gave you that in like in 2030 they're going to end up with the intertransfer of wealth they could actually be you know, real wealth owners that you you need to include them in all decision making and discussions uh, not just about philanthropy but about everything else I mean that's, I think it's just a given but you'd be surprised. You know what? I'm not because, uh, Jillian, you know, personally, I'm a single mom of a son. And I find it interesting that when people see that there's a Mr. Carter <laughs> at the residence, even though he's nine years old, you know, I make a joke that I that's what I call him to my friends. Well, he's Mr. Carter, because for a lot of people, that nine year old is more important to them than the mama is. And so I, I and I don't know if if it's just it's just muscle memory. Unfortunately, it's like we're having to dig out of this, these stereotypes and these, you know, long standing training of people to think that way. Um, but you're right. I mean, especially the statistic you gave earlier, that's why I didn't want to over or understate it rather that the right. fact that women are getting wealthier and wealthier and in more control of things. And so um, advisors should follow suit in, in knowing how important they are. The trajectory is there for absolute sure, you know, mm -hmm. And then another thing I, I, I think it's really important to what women, uh, the, the audience of women here, even women financial advisors as well, is that 
Um, another powerful way that they can influence philanthropy is by actually giving to women and girls. Um, and it's an interesting kind of area because you can give to women and girls regardless almost of your strategy. You know, if you think about if you're interested in education, if you're interested in the environment, if you're, you know, very, you know, think about social issues, you can influence all that by still giving to women and girls. And there's just so much research that the most effective way to change the world is by investing in women and girls. Um, so just it's just looking at it from another angle and improving the life of a female research shows that creates benefit and opportunity for the extended family and that the future generations, uh, even future and the larger community in which we live in. So I think if you look globally, like women are more often disproportionately, you know, unfortunately impacted by the issue of the world, including, you know, poverty, healthcare, sex trafficking, all of those horrible things. But, um, but also um, that violence against women is, you know, global pandemic. But if we support women and girls, we can turn those indicators around. And there's a really a ton of research and a ton of effort around that now. Um, United Nations, World Bank, international aid organizations that even the largest private foundations that are out there now are consensing. There's a consensus that empowering women to realize their full potential can break that cycle of poverty. Mm -hmm. um, and that healthy, educated and empowered women have healthy, educated and confident uh, daughters and sons. It just makes makes sense, you know? So. Um, well, and it goes and, and not just to, to step on you, but I mean, it, it goes into what I said earlier about um, muscle memory and just understanding that um, educating not only yourself, educating advisors, but talk, you know, I, I would love your opinion, you know, briefly about when an advisor is talking with their family, you know, a lot of times that that patriarchal idea of passing on information of investing and money to your son and right. it, it seems like there's not there's no conversations with daughters about those very same things. So I I was hoping to get your opinion on that on yeah. how it could start from home at home, right? It absolutely can. It's another it's another gap, I guess. You know, I mean, hopefully the um, the advisors are kind of tuning into that, but I think more and more families are too. I mean, like there's so many women going into finance themselves, and you know, it's mm -hmm. just. Um, be influencing financial decisions, that it's just a kind of a given. So yes, I think like as a pa patriarch of a family, you can learn by that. But I think, I think the tables are turning a little bit on that. And I think from a financial advisor perspective, you know, there are no more traditional roles. I, I think those things are being a little, you know, quite broken, those molds, I guess. Um, and I think you're right too, because, you know, we've had some great guests on, you know, this show and a lot of them said that they haven't really had a difficult path being in the financial world. Like, you know, they've been encouraged and they've been, you know, promoted and they've, you know, they haven't had the struggles that other generations have had just to have their voice heard. Right. I think it's true. I really think it's true. And it's especially, I mean, in the U.S. I mean, I, I think the world in general probably has a lot to learn as we go global and all that. But I think in the U.S., um, I think it has, I think the moles have changed in that. I mean, I see so many people like when in my, cause I've been in the financial uh, industry my whole career. Um, and I'm now with foundation, foundation sources, you know, we're not asset managers, but I was with Bank of America and um, you, you see it all the time in graduates and uh, you know, women are, women are just emerging and growing and getting opportunities in the financial space just mm -hmm. as much as their male counterparts are.
Well, and I love though that, you know, your focus is on philanthropy because again, it, you know, I have a friend who, um, that that's her mantra, you know, she started, uh, some, a foundation in which she helps women make money for the purpose of being able to give it. Cause that, I think that was her, uh, way to kind of motivate women to learn or be ambitious with money in a different way, right. Because they could give. And so, um, you know, it is important to have those conversations because I mean, for advisors, they could lead with that conversation with a lot of women and they'd, they'd get someone to open up a lot faster than if you led with something else. They absolutely would. And if they're, and you know, financial advisors themselves are passionate about philanthropy, you know what I mean? In their own worlds, in their own, right. just sharing that, sharing that kind of common commonality or a kind of passion around it is perfectly appropriate and they shouldn't shy from it. Do you know what I mean? It's it's yeah. kind of what it, it's what it, it is what it is expected. I think. Well, now, Julian, I got to ask you what um, you know. Is there a, is there a story in your life that caused you to focus on this part of the financial world? Uh, you know, because you're so learned on it and so passionate about it yourself. Well, I've been in the business thirty three years, so it's kind of <laughs> it's 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 hard not to be at this point, I guess. Um, my mother, my family. I came from Ireland, so I, I immigrated to the, to the states when I was twenty four. Um, Chernobyl and all those dreadful things that had happened. Um, she used to take uh, kids in, um, and over the summer and just you know we we they'd live with us for a certain period of time and just give them tons of fruit and all of that. So I just I suppose I learned I learned at the kitchen table a bit myself, but I certainly didn't think this was going to be my career. Um, but it has been a it has been a journey and a true pleasure I have to say because you ultimately are working with all day every day with people who are giving their money away. They want to do it right. They want your help. Um, they want to have impact. They want to engage their kids. And all of those areas we can help uh, with with Foundation Source. It's just, a, it's, a, it's a great job. It's a great job. Well, I, I, well, Jane, before we let you go, I would love to know your advice for women who hear this and say, wait a second, you know, financial advisors or clients who hear this and say, wait a second, you know what? I never thought of that, right? I never thought of focusing on that. What would you tell them and how they can start today? Well, I think the financial advisors, if they're not doing it today, if they're not having a conversation with their clients around their values and their passions, their legacy, um, what they want to achieve in the world, how they want to change the world they ought to really quickly have those conversations because there is an expectation. And there's no doubt that not, if 90% of their clients are giving, practically every one of their clients are doing it. And they're just really waiting for that conversation. We understand that they're having the tax conversation, but you have to go beyond it. And these, of course, once you do that, your relationships become so stickier because you're really truly developing a, a, a deep relationship with your client beyond the kind of financial implications of right. that. So well, and if you're a client, you should push your advisor on that, right? You should lead with that and then see how you know how your advisor handles that. And then maybe that's a indication of that relationship. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You need to step and step step up and say it because a lot of those financial advisors um have access to subject matter experts. And that's something I should have said earlier, uh, Alyssa, is that don't shy away from it because you don't have the expertise yourself because no client expects the financial advisor to be subject matter expert in, you know, how to fulfill on their passions or their values or their legacy. They know that they're going to bring, they expect it, that they're going to bring somebody in that has the kind of talent that focuses on, you know, what's the right vehicle to go into? Like, how would that vehicle run? How, how can we help you start it? Like, 
that's the expectation is that the financial advisor is that gatekeeper. Mm -hmm. um, and that's perfectly fine, you know. Jillian, um, you had mentioned earlier about how Foundation Source is a resource for advisors. So talk a little bit about that and how they can reach out to you. Sure. I mean, we, we work with advisors. We work we work with a, a lot of advisors right now. We work directly with clients, but advisors can, Foundation Source is a one-stop shop for everything a private foundation would need, including starting that foundation from its actual, you know, filing all the tax or tax forms and getting that foundation set up. So if your client is any way interested in a foundation, Foundation Source is that place. All aspects of compliance and legal, we do all of the tax returns. We do all of the administration. We take all of the burden of running a foundation, literally every aspect on to kind of free their client up for the joy of giving, basically. And we can be that partner with the financial advisor. And we don't manage assets, which I think is, a, is often is often can be a tough a tough you know match but because we don't we're just in the business of helping run foundations mm -hmm. so, i love that jillian uh website to where they can go to to find out more yep foundation sources has a has its own website out there you can just plug it in and it's right there www.foundationsource.com it's out there i love it well now you're inspiring me to now i want to start it i want to start something <laughs> jillian how time talent and treasure you don't have to always give money so that's another thing. There you go. I love it. Jillian Howe, thank you so much for being a part of the show. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to Invest in Women, the podcast series. Your insight into the growing wealth of women and how to attract and retain your female clients and help scale your practice. Learn more by subscribing to this podcast or visiting fa-mag.com.